This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Welcome to I Have to Call My Sister. My name is Stacy, And my name is Kayla. We're here to keep it real, tell crazy stories, talk about why you shouldn't worry about those pounds on your body, and how it's okay to sometimes feel a little cray. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to I Have to Call My Sister with the two sisters that you listen to I every week. How awkward you make I, the intros. Every like, time we every have time. a yeah, every time we have a guest, I'm always like doing a character voice <laughs> or like something. I don't because I get like so excited and I just never know how to start it. But yes, you you know what you're listening to. And today we have a podcast that um, it's not our regular like oh we're gonna do practical jokes on our grandma. Like today we have to talk about something serious and. Um, amazing and interesting and mind-blowing. Uh, we are doing this the old school way over a telephone call, but we have our girl Marky here today. And she, if you guys check out her Instagram, which we'll show you after, she's like the coolest, prettiest, like she's literally, like she's I'm like, just so jealous. Like her, her, like side of her hair yeah. is shaved, and <laughs> like, it's like I, <laughs> I want to shave my head, but like I know I can't pull it off. Like, like we Marky. can't, no, we can't do it like okay. Marky. So Marky is a survivor of sex trafficking, and this is something that like we think is only in the movies. We think it is something that we see like not in our local area but after we heard Marky's story we were like whoa this is happening literally right next door so Kayla yeah. why, why don't well, you tell them I, you heard yeah her? I heard Marky originally on the bird's papaya and I've been following her ever since and it was one of those things where I was like, I've never felt so affected by a story in my life. I've never felt like I like I told everybody that I know. I'm like, you need to listen to this podcast because it's true. You don't think that these things happen like in your backyard. You don't think that this is a real thing. And so I think it's so important. I think it's so brave. I think it's so amazing that Marky is now being open about this and talking about it because it it really wasn't that long ago. So and we, and willing to talk to two strangers, two crazy that we met sisters, like thirty seconds ago that yeah. we literally <laughs> just met. So Marky, thank you so much for being willing to just being open with us today. And yeah. our podcast is all about that, just openness and honesty. And uh, we really appreciate that you're going to talk about something like so hard and just like yeah. impactful on your life. So hey, Marky. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, oh my gosh, that makes me so excited. So happy. Oh. Um. So basically, like, it's funny because I said to Stacy, I'm like, I, I there's too much. Like, I want you to be able to just tell everything, and I'm like, there's too much, and we've already wasted time. <laughs> basically, we just want you to just tell your story from the beginning, um, whatever you're comfortable with, and then we will kind of just ask you questions on the way. So if you just want to start, <laughs> <laughs> pressure is on. <laughs> 
All right. Well, yeah, I guess it all it all kind of really started um, when I was 19 years old. And um, I just I was working as a waitress and I became friends with a chick that I thought was really cool. And we hit it off right away. And uh, she invited me to her birthday party, which I thought was really cool because I was a shy girl. I didn't get invited to really anything. And I just saw it as an opportunity to fit in. And so her and I just, I, we became close right away. Uh, But then when I went up to her birthday party, that's when things like turned uh, south. Um, We ended up partying just a normal birthday. We went to a club. Um, she picked me up from my house. Um, that was an hour away from hers. She's like, don't worry. I got you. She drove me up to her place. She's like, don't worry. I have bottle service. She paid for everything. Um, we had dinner drinks. And then the next morning I was supposed to go home. Uh, she was going to drive me home back to my dad's house But then she drove me to a strip club instead. And while we were in the strip club parking lot, I was like, what are we doing here? And she went from my friend to like total soulless creature. Like she, her eyes, you know, when people's eyes go black, like there's like no soul in them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was so frightening. She like looks at me and she's like, you owe me $300 or was it 600? Oh my goodness. It's been so long. I think it was 600. And I was like, I don't have that money. And she's like, yeah, cause you're going to work today and then we'll be square. So Um, wait, why did she think that you owed her the money? So she said, because she did all these things for me. Like she, she picked me up from my house which was an hour drive and drove me back. So now she said, I owe her for a car rental. I owe her for the gas. I owe her for club entry, the drinks, the food. Oh my goodness. Borrowed like a purse, whatever. So she like somehow calculated this, gave me a debt, which is what traffickers do from the get go. And then they get you to pay off the debt, which it like long-term you, you never, pay it off because they keep adding it on and adding it on. But um, to me, I didn't know what was happening. I just thought, oh, no, I'm in a bad situation. And at and this point, th- sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. At this point, when she said, like, you need to go in and, and strip to pay me back. Were you like, how are you feeling? Were you so scared? Were you confused? Did you say to her, like, no, I'm not doing this? It was like a it was a mixture of confusion, scared, and like, almost like it was a joke. Like it was like one of those, like, (laughs) like you're kidding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Especially being a shy person that like, is like thinking this is your new best friend. And then this shy person who's like going in and this girl's telling you what to do now. Like what, how, like, I don't even know how you'd react in a situation like that. If you're not like a super confident, overly extroverted person. So how did, how did you react in that situation? Oh my goodness. Well, first I was like, no, like you're, you're joking. But then she threatened, um, she threatened my family and like my dad and my dog. And she said like, like her and her people would like kill them. She knew, she said, I know where you live now. And it was the people that I had met the night before, like her friend group were very intimidating. They were very, scary they had like they had firearms they had drugs they were not the type of people that I was used to like growing up with um and so I believed the threat like it wasn't just like a oh I'll kill you if I don't do if you don't do this it was like no like 
I know where you live. Your dad's dead. Your dog's dead. And there's going to be people in there making sure you make this money. Like, don't don't fuck it up. Yeah. And it's so it's so weird because I always think like I think the obvious everybody will be like, oh, you should have just ran away and called the cops. It's like, no, if someone said I'm going to kill your sister, Kayla, I would never you would do anything. I would not even take the chance. I would do whatever they said because it's like my I can't even take the chance. I'm going to mess this up. And then my dog or sister or dad or whatever is going to be dead. Like that is awful. Okay, sorry. Continue. A hundred percent. And no, totally. And do you know what? The thought of calling the cops didn't even come to my mind because what I'm going to call the cops and then and then she's like officer no I didn't do anything like we're friends yeah. we went out last night and then I'm now I feel threat more threatened and so it wasn't even an option really and yeah, so I thought yeah. she told me do this we'll be square so I thought okay all I have to do is make six hundred dollars and and I you know and then I'm I'm good so I did. I went in and I I made the money and oh, that was a hard day. Were you so nervous as you were on the stage? Like, were you just trying to think like, oh, I'm just going to do what I see in movies? Yeah. Yeah. I was so scared. I remember. So you have to go up to the DJ and sign in. And so I went like to the DJ booth, all like awkward. All the girls are like grilling me because they're like, who's this new girl taking like going to take our money. So everyone like hates me there. And the DJ, I was like, hi, like, can I have some tips? I like, don't know. Like, I was like, what do I do? So he gave me the lowdown, like three songs, blah, blah, blah. And I went on stage. And so you always dance for three songs. So the third, and it's, you gradually take off your clothes. Yeah. Like the first song, it's like you have your underwear and your bra on. And then the second song, you're like taking off your top. Then the third song, you're like fully nude. So, you know, <laughs> I'm fully educated. Did you know it's only a Canadian thing? Like in uh, in America and in, I remember in Germany, um, they don't they don't get to level three. Like they, they were in shock yeah. that in Canada, that it's like a fully nude thing. That's like, a, that's a Canadian thing, which is like mind blowing to me that, that I thought that that was like the norm. Like, I know what you mean when you say the three song thing. Like, I know what that means. So totally. it's, it, that's that's very interesting that we here in this country, like that's the ex- like what's expected is you're naked by the end. And someone who's never even done that before. So where was this? Like what? Because you're from city? Hamilton. So what city was this in? So I'm from Hamilton where she she lives and where we were partying was in like um, on the verge of like Mississauga, Toronto. Um, And then where she drove me the first time I danced was um, Burlington. It was solid gold. Oh, okay. 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 So after this first one, did you did you make the money for her? I made the money. Yeah. Um, I made the money. Keep in mind, um, I during that first time I danced, I knew three people in the audience and they spread the rumor that I am, I guess not rumor, but they told everybody. My dad eventually found out that I was a stripper. So it's not like, yeah. So that kind of gave it, it's like its own thing. So I now I had like guilt and shame attached to it. So anyway, so I, I make the money, um, and I hand it over. Like I open the car door she has her hand out to collect the money and then she put the money like in her bra and then just started driving back to her place. Like nothing was said. And it's not like it was just so 
scary and intimidating, I'm not going to be like, so <laughs> what are you like, where are we going? Yeah. yeah <laughs> are yeah, you going to yeah. drive me home? Like, so yeah. I just kind of, I went along with it because I was so intimidated. I'm like, I'm just going to do like what she wants and just like figure things out. Oh yeah, my gosh. So. Okay. So after <laughs> that, so you went back to her house and were all those people there or was it just you and her? There was two guys there that um, eventually I found out was her pimp and her drug dealer. Okay. So, so that that's, that's <laughs> a real I remember thing. you saying too, yes, this is a real thing because it's true. Like pimps, you're like, no, they don't exist. Like that's not a real thing. But w- from your story, it's like, whoa, like that's that's real life. So can you just explain a bit about like, like what, a pimp, what a pimp exactly is and, and who's who yours was? Totally. So, okay. So a pimp, um, a pimp is someone who takes advantage, um, of someone else for, um, for financial gain for like sex acts for financial gain. So that is, you know, making someone escort and then they'll take the profit or make someone strip, take the profit or, you know, cam work, uh, pornography, any, anything that's, uh, that's a sex act that someone forces courses you to do and receives money from it is, is a pimp. So Um, you had one that, well, I think she was forced to have one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I did. So what I didn't know, and I didn't know this for the whole time, um, was that, so there's a hierarchy of pimps. So this guy that I met that evening was like the top dog. So what happens, so he pimps out, in his case, it was only only women, but this does happen. There are male uh, victims as well. But with this pimp, he had a bunch of um, female victims. And so a bunch of like girlfriends, quote unquote, um, he'd make them work, give him all their money. Um, but then they kind of like go up in the hierarchy if now those girls find and recruit other girls because now they're more so managing us to make the money and they're working like half the time. So they still have to work, but it's like, they drive you to the club, they pick you up, they make sure you're good. And then they, once you're all kind of loyal and working with them, then they get you to recruit. So it's this whole hierarchy down, but the more people you recruit and take care of, the less you have to work. So it's better for you. But then of course you want to recruit people so that you can work less. Oh my, I didn't even think about it. It's like a pyramid scheme in a way, (laughs) but right. It's like, it's like a pyramid scheme with, with zero gain because that's what I was thinking. I'm thinking like, would she have been recruiting you, you at the beginning and then turn to kind of this hardcore mean personality because that's kind of what her personality was forced to become. Did you see of that? Course. Of course. I, oh. I didn't see it, but I know that that was the case. This girl, she had been so far in, like she had been in the game for like, I don't know, six years by the time I saw her. So she was just hardened. Like she, there was no ounce of her that was, you know, who she was born, yeah. like who her soul is, is was not gone. who I saw. Yeah. So I feel bad and I don't hold anything against her because I was becoming that person. It, when you saw me six months in, I was rude. I didn't, I didn't even like animals anymore. Like I just, I became 
a hateful, hateful person because that's all I was surrounded with. I was yeah, like understandably so. Like yeah, yeah. And I guess it's what the human body probably is like. That's your protective mode, like your body. And it's so it's hilarious that you said the animal thing because we're animal lovers. And when you said that, like you, you're an animal lover too. You have a dog, right? Oh, I love animals. I'm like I'm a vegetarian because of animals, right? And so, so the fact that she knows, like that's when she's like, I didn't even love animals anymore. Like you know. <laughs> you know that that's a big deal. It's just not who you are anymore, right? So, oh my goodness. So, so you then were cut. You were in this now. So, I also heard that you they would sometimes like drug you, and you kind of just took the drugs just to get through your day. So, can you just talk a bit about that? Yeah, totally. So, so in my case, so every pimp is different. Um, in my case, they wanted a clean girl. So they want someone that's working, that is clean, uh, no drugs, because you look the best and you perform the best, you get higher payer clients. But oh. when they, they did drug me when they wanted to have sex with me. So um, it was like you, the, the pimps kind of go around and like make sure they like fuck all their girls. <laughs> so it's wow. like, um, so it's like, you kind of have to every like, I don't know, like week or two. Just I don't know. I don't know. Just what to it like is, keep but... them, keep them happy. And would they yeah. sneak the drugs to you or they would say, here, take take these drugs because I'm going to have sex with you. They'd just be like, take these. And like they just oh. like make me make me take it. And it was just like. It was like the worst experience because they'd be like, take this, just like stare at me. And then they like wait like 30 minutes for it to kick in. I don't even know what I was taking. Oh my like, God. You know, but then it was like, it was so like ruthless. They would just, it would be like, obviously like no passion. Like they're, they're forcing you to have sex with them. And then after yeah. it's like, go shower and then like, and then like leave. Like they're just like, ugh, get away from me. And it's just so like, you're in the shower shower and you're like, scrubbing your skin until you're bleeding like you're just like trying to like scrub all like the shame off of you it's like yes oh marky this is this is so i'm having a a a weird moment right now because we're talking about it it's almost like like you've probably had to tell this story so many times and i i feel terrible that we're just talking almost like casually about it you know what i mean because i don't think it's casual not casual this is like like super important no it is i'm saying we're just asking questions and and i i'm almost feeling guilty for asking the questions like i (laughs) you know what i mean like i i i I, i'm just like my mind blown and um I just know that when we're asking these questions that we are I don't know I I'm, I'm like literally like flustered just like so it. sorry that like this I'm happened. sorry that we're <laughs> that we're that you're talking I'm sorry that you're talking about it but I'm so thankful that you are because I literally did not know this was a real thing until you I'm yeah. like I'm serious and that and you're gonna change so many lives and that is insane and I'm ha- doing the speech right now because I literally just almost lost my breath at that story and like I yeah. couldn't breathe for a second and then I thought oh my gosh I want I wonder how she felt like you yeah. know what I mean anyway sorry Kayla yeah. you go ahead <laughs> no uh, worries guys Honestly, I think if you can't, you know, not like if you can't make light of it, I mean, everyone is different, right? And everyone's in every, in different stages of their healing. But for me, what, what makes me heal and grow and flourish is the fact that I can talk about it and make, make a joke about it. It's yeah, that to me makes it easy. Um, I don't want to be here crying and, 
you know, be like, oh, it's tragic. It's so sad. It, no. Okay. Like <laughs> it's just, a, yeah. it was a phase of my life, you know? Yeah. And that's what, yeah. And I want to then get into like near the end, like where you're at now and how you help deal with all this stuff, but we'll backtrack a little bit. I know so, the, there's so much to the story that I feel like we could like ask a million questions. So Kayla, yeah. you, you keep us on track. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you then, did it get to a point where you became like addicted to drugs? Were you wanting to take the drugs yourself or was it only when they would drug? you at first it was just a kind of a transition of drinking so before then I didn't really drink at all but then I was like I need a drink to be able to go on stage and yeah. then I need like then it turned into I need like five shots to be able to like ask for a lap dances and then and then it just went to like okay what's harder and then you make some friends in the change room with the girls and they'll offer you something because then they want you to be you know a buyer um so then I got yeah, I got to a point where I couldn't go th- get through a day without, you know, doing Coke or, or M or ecstasy. Um, and was this every day? Like, did you have to do this every day? Every day, 12 hours. So when it opened, when the club opened, I'd be dropped off. And then when the club closed, uh, they'd pick me up. Oh my gosh. All day long, every day. And how long at this point when you started, um, you're like, I have to have these drinks and these drugs and whatever to get through my day. How long were you in it at this point? Um, I would say probably like three or four weeks is when I was like fully in it. Like yeah, drugs, everything. It's when everything kind of took a huge turn. Like I, I just wasn't really who I am. I would like, I was trying to cling on to life before that. And then, you know, three, four weeks in, I was like a new person. And yeah. isn't that interesting? Cause that's the fastest thing ever. That's that so is, fast. that it's like that, so fast. Yeah. That that mm-hmm. can just change you in three weeks. And, and was this girl that, um, we'll say like recruited you, was she still there every day? Like, was she with you? No. So she, she made me like sleep in her bed. So we'd like wake up together and um she drives me so she always know where you are she'd always know where I was but she was she would lie to me and say oh no I have to work in Hamilton or I have to work in this club um today and then I'll pick you up but then I like would would like know people like I had connections now at different like strip clubs and they'd be like no she's not here um so I knew she was lying to me but I didn't know why I was like she's getting me to work she's telling me so this whole time she's telling me we're both working so we can like get a condo, get our own Mercedes, go to university. Like it switched from like a huge threat to let's make this money and like live our best life. So that's yeah. where it was at. So then when she was, when I was finding out that she wasn't actually working when I was working, I was like, something huge is going on, but I don't know what. Like it didn't feel like a crime because at this time it wasn't heard of no one knew about it right and so I just thought okay I just maybe I I picked the wrong crowd of people to hang out with but um but yeah I definitely switched in my mind where I was like hey something's up so it went from it went from you being intimidated and threatened and then they they tried to almost brainwash you into this is actually going to be awesome and you're going to make so much money and we're going to live this awesome life and then you got then your brain had to go to wait something is is wrong here and yeah. uh, I'm sure you felt that the whole time, but I d- did the the glimpse of hope of like getting that condo and that Mercedes. Did that help you push through at all? Oh, a hundred percent. I was thinking, oh my goodness, like 
you know, my dad always wanted me to be successful. Like I'm, you know, this is finally, I'm going to get like, I'm going to have the life that people work for and I'm going to, I'm going to work for it. Cause now I like, I have like a way to make the money. So yeah, there was total hope there. But then the thing with pimps is that it's, that's what they do. They're, they're master manipulators and they switch, they go, it's like an abusive relationship. They go from like threatening you to, Oh, let's build a future. And then boom threats again. So you're getting mm-hmm. like yo-yoed back and forth yeah. to keep you on your toes. And, and that's kind of like how you stay. It's like, you're never comfortable and yeah, you don't really know what's next. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. Okay. So, so then I know that there was a time where a, a customer was like, we're going to help you. Or I'm going to help no, you. Actually, we don't know. That's what I want to know, what that conversation was like. So this was the point at which you decided, like, this was almost your, like, escape plan. So can you tell us what happened and what that conversation was like with the customer? Yeah. So at this time, we were in Niagara Falls. So for anyone that doesn't know, like, the, an, like an hour and a half away from Toronto, my pimp was out doing a drug deal in Toronto. So I had a little bit of freedom um, during that time. She had people watching me at the club, um, but I knew she wasn't there. So I felt a little bit more free. And so I had been talking to this man for probably two weeks. He would come and see me every day at uh, like the same time. It was like after work um, at like five o'clock, he would come and uh, sit down, buy me a couple drinks and we'd chat. And so what naturally came out was like, hey, like, I'd be like, yeah, so I live with like my roommate and she's, you know, kind of a bitch. And so yeah. it all, it kind of started like that. And as our conversation got deeper um, over the few weeks, he was like, okay, that's a pimp. Like, we need to get you out. Cause I was like, she's taking my money, told him the whole thing. And he's like, okay, this is serious. Like you need to get out of here. So when I knew that she was doing a drug deal, I had a window of time. He was like, I'm going to go outside, start my car and just run out in five minutes. He's like, I'll pick and you up. Right. Sorry. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to ask one quick thing. Cause I'm curious at this point, did you believe that you were being, that this was wrong and that this was like, you're like, no, he's right. I do need to escape. Or was it kind of like, uh, you're overreacting at this point? It was, yeah, I do need to escape. Cause I knew something was wrong. Like it was okay. like, I couldn't keep any of my money. Some days they wouldn't let me eat. It was, it oh. was at, at a very like, like slavery type, like point that we got to where I was like, I need to get out, but I need to get out alive. And that was yeah. what I was scared of. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Okay, um, sorry. So yeah. so he said, come out in five minutes. Yeah, so I just ran to the car because uh, you're not allowed to leave. Like, if you're if you start working... Um, like for the night, you can't just leave halfway. You have to like 
work until the end of the night. So, and there's tons of security at the front of the door. So I literally like blew through security and like the lineup of men that were coming on in and, and I left and I, all I had were my stripper heels and like what I was wearing. And he drove me to a motel, got me in a room. And then the next day he like brought me some clothes and some groceries. And I stayed there for about a month. Um, just in that room, he would come in and like bring me groceries and stuff. Oh my uh, god! And I, how like, figured some things out? <laughs> yeah. Were you feeling horrified as you had to like run to the car and like were you just horrified while you were in that hotel or how were you feeling? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. <sighs> it was horrible. I was horrified running to the car, but then when I was in the motel, I was like, okay, all right, this is almost like a a fresh start. Even though yes. yeah. I still felt I didn't feel hopeful because. I was thinking there's no way I'm going back to, you know, my dad's because it was yeah. like, then I'd have to explain myself. And I I was like, not in a place to do that. Like, oh, hey, I've been stripping for this long. And, you know, it was just, yeah, it was an icky thing. So I was thinking, okay, I need to make a plan and I'll somehow get out of, out of this. Um, so what I did was the guy bought me a phone. I connected back to my old Facebook account um, and started messaging people that I had known and kind of trusted prior and asking them kind of like, kind of for help, but like very subtly, like it wasn't like, help me. Like, it was just like, Hey, like what's going on? Like, what are you up to these days? Like, but then there was only one person um, who was like a nobody to me. He was like someone that I hooked up with um, and knew from like the bar scene but I knew that he had his own place. I knew he was like very open and chill. So I was like, I'm just going to give him a ring. And he's like, yo, like, come, you can live here. Like for the time being, he's like, I can offer you a room, but that's basically all I can offer you for right now. So I took that chance. And isn't it interesting too, like the, the people that were getting those Facebook messages, I bet you they had no clue. Like they were just being like, like they had no clue. Like I I now I feel like I want to, um, it's also making me realize that if somebody ever reaches out to me, um, unexpectedly, like maybe like dive a little bit deeper into that because you never know who's actually needing help in that moment. You know what I mean? Cause you probably were just too awkward you're just too awkward to say it right so it would would have been just so much easier if somebody just like was like like what is actually happening and can I help you but you you were on your own in that situation well yeah and the the thing is is that I was receiving like when I logged back in and everything and sometimes I'd have a phone sometimes I wouldn't they took my phone for the most part but I would receive messages being like you're a whore. I heard you're a stripper now. Like my best friend of like four years, um, wrote me the nastiest message. I'm I'm never going to be friends with a stripper. Like you lost me. And so I got all these messages and the messages from guys wanting to hook up with me and everything. And no one had my back. Everyone's like, you're off the rails. And so it's like, if you see someone that's struggling or, or doing some things that like, aren't like typical behavior, like don't rush to a judgment. There's obviously something that happened, you know, whether they're going through grief or whatever, something is, is making them get to that point. And, and most people are too quick 
to judge what they're doing, not why they're doing it. So Exactly. And then you have no one to turn to because even those people have yeah. turned their back in the wrong way. And especially the mental state that you're in, it's like, what the heck am I supposed to do? So you call this basically stranger. He lets you come in. Um, and then how did that go? How, how did it go from there living with this person you'd hardly kind of even knew? So for like the first couple of weeks, it was great. Like we, we started dating, like naturally we're, we're living together, spending a lot of time together. Um, and it just, it felt like I was like, oh my gosh, like I found such a great guy and we lived together already. And it was like, it was really great. Um, and then after two weeks, he says, you know, you can't live here mortgage free. (laughs) So he's like, I know the owner of the Hamilton strip. He's like, we'll get you working just so, just so you can pay some of the bills. He's like, you already know how to do it. And you have my support. And he put it in a way that was so much different. Like it didn't feel like I was, it did feel like I was being forced to, because there wasn't really an option, but it felt like he put it in a way that it was so like, loving and like, yeah, let's like work towards our dreams. It was, it was the same tactics that the other pimp used only disguised as a boyfriend. So he, although he wasn't like a, like a lifetime pimp, that's not what he was like, did for a living. He did pimp me out. And this is, I heard this on the, um, the other podcast and I am so curious about this. Do you think he had prior experience and he had done this already? Or do you think he heard what happened and in his sick mind was like, oh, that's a great idea slash horrible idea. But like, like, do you think that he was influenced by hearing what happened to you or do you think he had experience? Oh, totally influenced. So it was a mix of him already being such a manipulator. Like he's just like one of those greasy businessmen that, you know, take advantage of people and clients and everything. So, oh, he was double my age. Let's just (laughs) throw that. He was like, like, so he was already like slimy and manipulative. And then when, when we were spending time together, I'm like, and they did this and this happened, he was taking notes in his head and, and doing the exact same thing to me. It was so crazy. Oh my God. That is awful. It's so awful to know that um, you think that this story, it's like, oh, one group of people that she met were like this. And then you met someone else in a different situation and they can be just equally as bad. Like, and that's. uh, Well, and that just shows you how like common this is. And oh, it's I hate it so much. Okay, Um, wait. And I, I was curious. This was like we talked about this like 10 minutes ago, but. Back to the stripping, does everyone that's in strip clubs, do they all have to work from morning to night or did they just make you? No, no, no. So it was, um, so it was my pimp that made me work. Oh, okay. Okay, 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 but okay. do you think, do you think a lot of these strippers and strip clubs are in the same situation as you? Oh, a thousand percent. There's no question about it. There's, there, of course, there are people that are independent sex workers because once I left and we'll obviously get into this, but I started working independently of a pimp. So there are people that do this, um, by themselves, but the majority of them have pimps, um, and escaped their or escaped their pimp. So it's like, you've been pimped out, but then you leave and now you're like struggling for cash. So you just go to it solo oh, or yeah. you go in solo, but then you get pimped out because they, yeah. they just 
going to the strip club finding you or the girls in the strip club try and recruit you. So there's not usually someone that's there solo for their whole, you know, career. So how do you feel about strip clubs now? Do you you think that they're an awful place? Oh, it disgusts me. It disgusts me. Being being on the other side of it. Yeah, of course. When I was younger, I would go with some friends like before this happened it was like, oh, party, cool. Like, let's have some drinks and whatever. See some girls dance with my, like, guy friends or whatever. Now, looking at it, it's like these women are working and some underage are working yeah. for no money. And aside from the whole trafficking thing, you are being degraded every minute that you're in there. No one respects you. People are will rape you, touch you, grab you, um, talk to you so disgustingly. Um, they're most of them are married. So the things that are, that you're learning and the input that you're getting in your brain is just so negative that there's no way that you could grow as a person. The people that are like, Oh, I'm doing this to afford university, or it's just like, I'm just doing this for fun. It, it will scar you. Yeah. And and it's it's really hard to get out of it. See, this is something that I have literally never known. I've learned like this is something that no, I think like, is we're guilty of it. We're guilty we of it. Went to strip clubs for like a fun night, and I'm hands down will never do that again. I will never ever, ever do that again. And I, if any, like I want this to be like such a huge message from this 100%. that this episode because that is a, something that I just learned now, literally right now, and I didn't oh. know that that was a thing. So yeah. wow, wow, thank you for for t- informing us of that for yeah. sure. So no okay, so, so you're now with this guy and he's saying you need to go do this work. So what what did you do from there? So I did. I like I fighting and screaming. He like drove me to the club. Oh. We sat down with the manager and so and the manager already knew like he could sense that I didn't want to work like I was like hey like I'll be a shooter girl but then my boyfriend pimp man was like no you're gonna dance because that's what's gonna make us the most money and so I would work he would come in collect the money like a couple times a night but then what happened was after a few months of this the the manager actually called the cops oh and he was the one to be like, there is trafficking going on. And he talked to an undercover agent and they called me in for questioning. Well, first they called me until they came to the club, asked me to go to the office, asked me a couple of questions. And I was like, why are you asking me questions? I'm like, this is like, this is nothing like yeah. you know what you're talking about kind of thing. Like nothing's going on here. Um, but they're like, can you come in tomorrow for some questioning? And, um, and I did, and that's kind of, kind of where it ended with him a little bit. It it ended shortly after. Because did the police help, help you at that point? Like, did they say, okay, here's what you have to do to get out of it? Cause I'd be scared to go back to even like my boyfriend and be like, Hey, I had to talk to the cops. Like, what did you do? Like, did they, what did they offer you? Yeah. Well, so when I talked to the cops, um, they were trying to get like, do you, are you working for this guy? And I'm like, no, he's my boyfriend. And I wouldn't answer any questions about that. Like I was trying to protect this guy with everything. Um, and so they were asking me a lot of questions about the other pimps. And so I told them all about that. And then they were very hesitant in letting me go home with this guy, but there's nothing they can do. Um, but what they did do was they, right after my interview was finished, 
a social worker came into the like interrogation type room and was like asking me questions about, you know, do I need to go to a sexual health clinic? Um, Do I need counseling? Kind of those things setting me up with some resources. Um, And so I was like, yeah, I could, I could go to the sexual health clinic. And so they, they set me up like two weeks later um, to meet with a worker. So I went back to the dude two weeks later Um, The social worker picks me up. And then from there, we hit it off, the social worker and I. And then I went to a safe house right from from our afternoon. And the social worker, is she the person that you said was also she was previously used to be in your position? Is that that person? Yeah, yeah. She was like in the sex trade for over 20 years. So she she was a tough chick. So you found you could relate. (laughs) You could relate to her and like you didn't think that she was a crazy person because she literally went through what you went through. Oh, it was awesome. If it was anybody else picking me up, I wouldn't have even gone in. Like if it was this like lady not knowing anything or been through anything, like, cause I was rude. Like I got in the car and I was just like, I don't want to fucking be here. Like, and she's like, good. Cause I don't want to be here either. (laughs) (laughs) She just like threw it right back at me. And she, so she drove me to the clinic and then she took me out uh, to the pickle barrel for lunch. And Um, and was talking to me and she was so straight up. She's like, listen, she's like, it's all fun and games now, but you're going to be addicted to crack in one year on the streets. You're going to look ugly. And she's like, you're not going to make as much money as you're making now. And then she just, she told me the spiral. She's like, you're going to get beat up every day. And I was like, okay, I don't want that. And she's like, so we have a safe house. (laughs) And I was like, I'll take that option. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Wow. And is that the first time in like all that, that that time that you had spent doing this, that you really got like a reality check, I guess, right? Like she, she's the first one that really made you realize how, how awful it was, what was happening. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe this isn't all it's cracked up to be. And you right. know what? That's, it's not like at that moment, like, cause definitely at that moment, it's not like, you know, my world got better and I stopped. I did not stop for years after that, but it was, it was a moment where I was like, I got to leave this guy and make you know, some, like I was making baby steps forward. She was helping me make, make those steps. Right. Right. So then, so you went to this safe house and you were feeling good. You're like, okay, this is my first baby step. And what was it like at the safe house? Yeah. Like, so there was other people that went through the same thing, but yeah, tell us about the safe house and, and what happened there. So the safe house um, didn't have funding for a long time. Like per girl, you could only get like three days out of it. Um, so I wasn't there long, but it wasn't a good experience. The only good thing that came out of it was that this particular social worker, the one that picked me up and brought me to lunch. She was the only good thing that, that came out of that. It was a very bad space. Um, but whatever, (laughs) not going to go over that because we could definitely dive into some, (sighs) horrifying details, but, um, I met, Yeah, it was bad. I met a girl there who I clicked with instantly and we hit it off. She had been pimped out. Her trafficker like was just sent to jail for 10 years and she was like, I need a place to live. And so um, we we got together and then we're like, well, now that we're pimp free, why don't we just like escort get some sugar daddies and keep all the money now and like empower ourselves and so that's what we did sorry what's the difference between a sugar daddy and a pimp 
Oh, huge difference. Okay, so the pimp is the one that makes you work and takes all your money. A sugar daddy is the customer. He is the client, usually older, like an older gentleman between like 55 and 75, who pays you to have sex with him um, and like showers you with gifts, gives you a car. Like you're like his like mistress chick that he like gives a lot of money to. Okay. Um, so and is this- that a common thing? Like, is it like, is it um, oh my gosh, like in my head too? That is that's like a movie. Like, you just like how yeah. do, how do you how do you go about like finding someone? Like, do they just approach you and be like, hey, I want to pay for you, or like, how, is there like a like a website? Like, how does that even happen? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, do you know what? Like, there's there's tons of different avenues, and I don't want to you know just like be like, here's how to find a sugar daddy because no, don't yeah, do yeah. it. Do well, this is the thing um, because I remember you said I remember hearing you saying like it sounds oh yes you're getting showered with gifts with a car and stuff, but it's like no 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 your mental state no. and your mind are being torn and ripped away from you, so it's not worth it for any car or any gift or any moment. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's not like you can just be like okay I'm looking for a sugar daddy and like one appears. Um, I think it's more people can tell your vibes and like your presence. Right. So for me, it was easy. I was, you know, I, I did look like, uh, I did look like a stripper. I did look like a working girl. Um, I wore very scandalous clothing. I wore heels, like stilettos all of the time. I drove a Mercedes, a Range Rover and like men. I remember this one instance, I was going to the, like an Avondale to like a corner store, um, to grab some smokes and I don't smoke now. I don't know. I just had to, (laughs) had to put that in there. Um, (laughs) I don't smoke now. No, I love it. I love it. (laughs) Um, and I got, I got out of my car and this man was like, how much? And I was <gasps> oh. horrified. And he's like, he gave me his like business card and he's like, I'd love to like to chat and like, um, and have like develop something with you. And so it's just, there's, there's just that aura about you that men can sense because when I was right. doing that, I would get, you know, men approaching me at gas stations, um, you know, everywhere. They could just sense it now. <laughs> no man's looking yeah. at me to be their sugar baby. That's for sure. Like it's your vibe. You got, like your vibe is just like that's isn't that interesting that people just know the vibe, right? Like and it's, it's not awful, I guess you I, it's awful. And you yeah. and I guess but I guess you're also it's a sense of like openness that you had as well that you felt as if you had to have and and that's yeah. Like right, I can't wait to actually talk about that too cuz now you ha- are with somebody and you don't get asked how much anymore and she's still the same person but a f- completely different person. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um so then so you and this friend now you guys connected and you're like okay let's start our own business let's like we'll get us a sugar daddy and we'll go so what happened from then um so the first thing that happened was our we had a sugar she had a sugar daddy in LA like downtown uh, Los Angeles and so he invited us up to up there for he said as long as we wanted Um, so we packed up our condo and moved out to LA and we were there for about four months, um, working. We like, we just joined like an escort agency up there, um, to make some like extra money on top. Cause he would give us like, he would give us like a $400 each day allowance. Um, and then like some extras like car and everything. Um, but we wanted to make more money. So we joined the escort agency 
Um, do sugar well, daddies ever get like upset that you're going and doing your own thing, or do, like are, are sugar daddies possessive, or are they kind of like do they know that they don't all own of, you kind of thing? All of them are different. He was so gross. He wanted ew, this is so, this is gonna get ew, can I, I don't know how graphic no, it can get. You can you can get as graphic as you want. Honestly, we, I I actually want to hear. I it. think it's I important. <laughs> okay, this guy, ew, it's so nasty. This guy um, was so turned on by it. He'd want us to go like fuck some clients and then he wanted us to come home and he wanted to like eat us out before we showered oh he just like it, she's laughing so i know because when you say it it sounds so crazy oh my, oh my god. god i love her like i love you so much laughing. You're so funny. her laugh is amazing no because that sounds ridiculous like this guy was just like paying money for that process yeah people are into interesting things aren't they <laughs> Oh my goodness, the stuff you see, yeah. Oh, it's oh, so weird. Oh my god. Okay, so oh god. Okay, so you would do that, and so you guys lived with this sugar daddy in L.A. Or sorry, he was paying for you in L.A. to do all right. This stuff. Yeah, we did. We we lived with him in his uh, oh, condo downtown, and so we were there for about four months, and then um, with another customer, um, another customer paid for us to go on a cruise with him uh, to Mexico. Ooh. So we went on a, a cruise with him, um, but then we got stopped as we were exiting uh, the cruise ship because like our passports, like we didn't have a visa because we were like not intending to stay long. Right. Um, so they we were flagged and they took us off the ship. We had like, we were like interrogated for like hours and then they ended up putting us in jail um because oh, they like the girl gosh. like my girlfriend was like oh we're like escorts and I'm like we're so we're working illegally in not our home country a cool. different country yeah <laughs> when you said that when you said that too like I'm a I'm a singer so I actually have to perform in the United States all the time and I was thinking like my visa process that I have to go through just to get through like I, in my head I was like I wonder what she said at the border because yeah. you have to you have to like have like your story and like exactly where you're going and they ask about addresses and then especially on a cruise ship that would have been horrifying at those borders because they they are very intense at cruise ship well, borders. clearly it doesn't work because she went to prison. oh yeah she <laughs> went to prison but i i didn't think that that actually would ever get to that point but it's true they really will put you in prison yeah they do and i was like i'm like oh my gosh if i'm here for the night like this is going to be horrible yeah it ended up being eight and a half weeks <laughs> what oh my yeah. gosh okay so was that like was it a hardcore prison like was it like the like you know how there's like different levels of prison yeah so the one so the first one so where we were booked it was downtown los angeles uh jail is where they took us to that one was like not fun that was intense like one of like the correction ladies like shoved me so hard with like and then like elbowed me like she was like abusing me without her like palms it was crazy for like nothing I'm like what am I doing like what's happening okay wait this could this could be a whole other podcast but I do just quick question quick question (laughs) because you had never been there before were you like oh my god this is what I see in the movies it's so weird because I always think like what would my prison mentality be when I go in on the first day yeah like I remember this guy said he feels like he would just do like push-ups to show people he's like strong like what was your what did you do like in your head you're like okay I have to be like that and was your the girl with you the whole time did you get to be with your your friend I did so that was nice So, so the first so we were in the holding cell which was so awkward so the holding cell had like clear doors and they were facing like kind of like the 
the office type space, like the kind of right. like where you get fingerprinted and everything. But it was like men and women guards were like oh. there. That's where they did all their stuff. But then right in front of Mark glass door was our toilet. <gasps> and oh, no. And I had to pee so bad. And I'm like, I can't, like, I cannot go, like use a washroom right. And they're like all hot guards. Like, I'm like, this is so yeah. dirty. Oh, no. And then I've like so cried awkward. off my makeup. And I'm like, so, and this is a point where I'm not comfortable being seen without makeup. Like I'm young, I'm, you know, so I was like, everyone can see me. So I'm so ugly and I have to pee. And it was so awkward. And I was just trying to like, get through that night. I was so hungry. We didn't get fed for like 20 hours. Oh, it was so bad. So I didn't even know because I wasn't thinking, they don't tell you you're going to be in here for eight and a half weeks. It's like, they don't give you answers. Like, I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. Like people would ask me, I'm like, I have no idea why I am here. They just handcuffed us and like put us in. So um, when they took us to the um, other facility, which was the, oh, why can't I think of it? Like lower um, security. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so like, I, I know what you mean though. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was, I mean, lenient for a, like a jail, but it, it was still very, um, by the book. My goal was to not like piss anyone off. <laughs> right. That was right, me. Right, I'm like, right. I'm going to be friendly, but I'm not going to go out of my way to make relationships because I don't, you know, those things go wrong, as you can see. So I was like, I'm yes. going to stay to myself. But then, of course, you you make friendships. And we were the only um, Canadian white people. So people looked up to us. It was it was a weird dynamic. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. We're, we're like the ones that people, because they thought it was so cool that we were Canadian. And they're like, oh, like, like white girls. It was so funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, okay. But uh, yeah, I made, <laughs> I made some cool friends from all over. Your personality too is very like attractive in the sense that I feel like you're friends with her already. Oh, hun- yeah. So I feel like <laughs> even in, even in a, in a jail or a prisoner whatever like people are still people and there are still women in there that like are, are normal people that have conversations so imagine this like really pretty like canadian yeah. girl coming in just with this You're great like person yeah she'd prison. be like, like a celeb and- <laughs> oh my goodness yeah i and do you know what i did make friends easy it was it wasn't hard to <laughs> the first night i got my period and there's it's not like they have like like a place where you can just grab like tampons. like a tampon yeah so yeah. it went like all through my pants and you, it's not like you get a change of clothes. So people help me out like ASAP with that. And that's kind of like how we got mingling. I was like, I was horrified. I'm like, okay, that was the icebreaker. So Wait, so they they yeah. don't give you like tampons in prison? They, they do, just- but you, no, no tampons. It's like these thick pads that are, are oh, okay. I'm not joking you. They're probably two inches thick. It, they don't absorb like anything, but yeah. you learn how to make things like, um, you, I learned how to like roll a pad and maneuver it and then make the string. I learned how to do that. I learned how to make um, a nail file Whoa. out of pebbles. Um, a what? <laughs> a nail file. Oh, a nail, a nail file. file out of pebbles. Oh my God. Yeah. I learned how to do my makeup with a magazine and coffee grinds. Um, so you get, <laughs> you get savvy like while you're you in there. Like if you could see our face right now, yeah, like you, our <laughs> mouths are just like, couldn't be wider. Hanging open. I know <laughs> the, the, the beginning of this call was a video call and then our, our internet didn't work. And uh, maybe it's good because our facial We're reactions just, are like, like what? Like we look crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah. our, my, my jaw's actually kind of hurting because it's We're been like hanging. Staring at each other yeah. and like <laughs> reacting. Um, 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Did you at all know at this point, like when you were maybe getting out or it was still unknown? Oh, it was, it was unknown until, um, like three days before we were oh my gosh. let out. Cause the whole time they're like, you have to wait till your court date. You have to wait till your court date and to see a judge. And I was like, okay, but then we were never given a court date. So it was just kind of like week by week when like an officer came in to like give people like news, Um, we would just wait. And then finally our names were called the one day and we're like, what? And it was just so crazy because now we have, we have no money, like zero money. We have no credit cards. We have nothing. And so when we got out, they're like, Hey, we're deporting you back to Canada. So you're going to be deported back to Vancouver airport. And we're like, can right. you send us to Toronto, please? So they ended up actually doing that for us. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, That's so uh. convenient. <laughs> I know. I'm like, thank you for accommodating. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But so they took us and we're like, we have to make a plan. Like we're going to be at the airport, like full of acne and really bad roots and with no to go. So, <laughs> so we, it was really bad. I had my hair dyed black and then my roots were coming in like really light brown. Oh, it was so bad. So, uh, <laughs> the funniest part is that that's what you were thinking of. But I guess that's important because in your head, were you like, I'm going to go back to what we were doing before. So I have to look good. Is that what, is that what you were thinking? Yeah. I didn't even want to be seen on the airplane looking like that girl. Oh, it was so bad. It was like, my looks were like my number one priority back then. So like when I was thinking about like being in jail, I'm like, I just want to be cute. And then when I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm in jail, I'm like, I just want to be cute. She's got her, co- her yeah, magazine coffee grinds and magazine. <laughs> yeah. I, oh my goodness. I cried when I, I, finally saw myself in a real mirror on the airplane and I bawled my eyes out because they don't feed, you don't get vegetables. So, and I didn't drink water for the whole two and a half months because it was like (gasps) gross, like tap water from like right beside the toilets. And it was, it was so gross. So, um, anyway, so my skin was like so bad. It was broken out. It was disgusting. It was all bumps. It was like the worst I've ever seen, like on anybody. And so anyway, <laughs> that my, my looks aside, we were like, okay, we need, we need to like contact one of our old sugar daddies. <laughs> yeah. So we contacted one. He met us at the airport. He got us a hotel, took us out to the keg. Um, and then he gave us like each like a thousand dollars to go to the spa, like get a wax, get all that stuff, get our hair done. And then he gave us uh, five grand to get like first and last for a condo. Wow. Um, and like set ourselves up, uh, gave us a car. And so, yeah. So for the first like couple of weeks, we were just setting ourselves up. We moved to Windsor, which is um, about two hours away from Toronto, two or three yeah. hours away. So um, we're like new city, new strip clubs, going to be new us. So And in Windsor, there's, there's like a strip club scene there too. Like, cause it's like a university town, right? So yeah, there's like five. It's like if anybody listening anywhere else, like Windsor is like a very, very small city. Like everyone knows everybody and there's like five strip clubs. So yeah. it's, it's like, that's what and it's, you're there for. <laughs> it's right. It's right by the U S border. And then it's also a university city. So it's like actually known as like a crazy city. Like it's like, yeah. like people from Detroit come down too. Right. Like it's a, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a crazy city. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. I mean, we, we went down there, gotten, you know, got involved with some bad people. We were working, um, and I got a boyfriend, you know, got a good drug dealing boyfriend. Um, we dated for a few months and then I found out that my girlfriend was sleeping 
with him. Oh so. my god. The one that you went went to jail with? Yeah. Yeah, like my what? best friend and oh so I found that out and immediately because over like the span of you know the past year so this is like all of this now total from the time I was trafficked to this point had been like two or three years that's not even that long but it it also is so long it's so long it's long but not long yeah I know I don't even know yeah yeah so I was like okay you're my best friend I have nobody else like literally these two people and like club people were the only ones I talked to so I called my dad and I was like hey like I uh, can I come home? <laughs> I was like, can yeah. I live with you until I like figure my stuff out? And, um, and so he was like, oh my gosh, of course, like whatever. So I, I moved back in with him. And at this point, uh, I know we haven't touched on it. My dad and I had already talked a little bit and he kind of, he talked to the cops. So he understood what had happened and he wasn't, you know, bombarding me with questions it was just like i have open arms for you come live with me and so i it was probably um, the phone call he had been waiting for for years kind of thing right like oh oh yeah yeah. he would like brought he was like crying it was it was very special and yeah and then i came back here tried to you know get a a start on my life i was still like i still had some clients on the side but i went just like i went to college i Got a part-time job at Starbucks and yeah. What did you end up, what did you end up deciding to go to school for? What did you go to college for? (laughs) I did criminal justice. So, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) that's such a funny turnaround. So I'm just curious about when you, when you came back and you got, you were getting your life started again, like, were you still in contact with the, with that counselor at this point? No, it's not the counselor. You mean the the person that um, you became friends with that the that brought There's, you to the safe house? Yeah. Like, was um, she? Was, were you in contact with her throughout this whole time, or did you kind of cut her off at one point? So it wasn't until like years later where I, you know, I had a a boy like a one of my ex boyfriends, but I had a boyfriend, and I was like, I had such bad suicidal tendencies, and. And I called her one day. I'm like, I know this is out of the blue and we haven't talked in years, but I was like, I feel crazy and I like don't know who else to talk to. So, and then we connected after that and we've been, you know, we've been close ever since. So do you feel as if you had the suicidal tendencies? Was that after this, when you you started to try to get your life back together? Was that, was that during this point? Yes, it was. Because you didn't know who you were anymore, I guess, right? Yeah, because when you're when you're in it, and this is why a lot of people are like, oh, I, I know a girl who's a stripper. I know a girl who's an escort. She loves it. It's like, yeah, I loved it too. But then when you get out of it and you are forced to deal with your shit, that's when you're like, oh, I am so yeah. messed up. And that's yeah. when you, that's when all the crap starts like piling. And that's why a lot of people, you know, whatever their situation is, it's really hard to get better because they don't want to feel it. They don't want to feel, you know, what's going on inside, which I don't blame them. Um, so it, it was really difficult for me to fit in with people because I had all this like guilt and I was like, what do they know about me? You know, I would talk to someone. I'm like, who, what do they know? You know, they're judging me. They're, you know, they don't like me. And it was just, it was a difficult way to live. And at this point, too, were you still, like, drinking and and doing drugs and stuff? Or were you trying to get off of that as well? I was trying to get off. Um, I 
I wasn't like I would drink so like I would drink like a bottle of wine every night and then I would do like coke in the in the washroom at work and (laughs) you know so but I I was trying um but then I was like now in college and then now I'm like starting to like party a little bit more safely with some like you know with some people but I I was still I was still in it but it helps would you say my dad (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Would you yeah. say that you were like, you know how there's like a like functioning alcoholics and um people who like are into drugs and stuff like that? Would you say that that it was like obvious? Like would someone look at you and go, "Oh, she's she's being an alcoholic?" Or do you think that you were kind of getting by without people knowing that cuz you had been I guess used to it for a while, right? You'd have to kind <laughs> of fake knew. it till you make it. Oh, everyone knew. Oh. Everyone knew. They're like and it and but I didn't know that like but then years later I was talking to this girl that I went to college with and she just she messaged me because she heard me on a podcast or something and she was like do you know what I always prayed for you she's like I didn't know what was going on in your life and um I knew like something was wrong because she's like because I would in between like classes like a 10 minute break in between classes I would go to the pub and I chug two pints and I I thought that was normal like I was like oh I'm just gonna get a buzz on before my next class but people noticed they you know they didn't say anything they're like oh you're fun you're fun but people were worried and could tell and once again no one said anything though like it's like people I know people like uh, need to mind their own business sometimes but then it really shows you too that like it's not it's not a bad thing to like just check in someone's struggling just check in and just see right like I don't know it's Mm -hmm. interesting um, okay, so you so then you um, go through all of this, and then there was a switch kind of that happened, right? And you met someone who we actually met earlier in the podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's really good looking and cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He is very good looking. Um, yeah, so I met my I met this guy, <laughs> and he he really did change it all for me. I was you know. Prior to meeting him, I I was taking active steps to to try and become a better person and heal. But when he came into my life, um, he switched things around because he he kind of gave me some not so typical advice. Um, you know, because most people it's like, okay, go to counseling or you know meditate, and you're just like, I don't know how to do these things and. He was like, okay, like you need, you need to forgive like people in your life. And it was a huge shock to me and it didn't feel comfortable. And I was like, okay, you are belittling (laughs) what I've been through to say that that's like what I should do. Right. Um, But you're like, screw that. I don't want to forgive these people because they are horrible. But yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and I. It's kind of like, okay, that sounds so dumb. Like, (laughs) you know, like how is that going to fix all of my issues? And so, and, but he was adamant about it. Like he was like, this will change your life. And so he, he walked me through, you know, the process of forgiving all the people in my past, because what I noticed was when I would have, you know, a freak out or I'd start crying or I'd be depressed in bed one day it's all because I have these overwhelming thoughts of like what happened to me and how I feel now about things. And it's all coming from someone or something that hurt me that I just need to let go of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when he taught me how to let go 
of that, then really you're free. You have no attachment to hurt. So you are free and you are, you know, free to let in the good things in your life. And that's when things start to change. He has like a very pure soul and, and is reasonable. And, um, he's different, he's different. He's different than everybody else I've ever met. And And that's, yeah, like that's what I was going to say. It sounds, he sounds like such a rare man, which is like something that you need and you're just so not used to. I just love that, that he came into your life because you're, that's, you guys needed each other. Right. But I do have to say, I, I am also impressed in this story that although he almost was like the icing on the cake Think of how much she did herself before no, that, though. I, how friggin' hard is that to, like, like everything that you, like, like you're trying to not um, be an alcoholic anymore. You even, like, quit smoking. Remember that, like, callback? But, like, <laughs> like something like that. Or, like, even, like, putting yourself through school while no, drinking like your pints. That's, like, that's I know, insane. I was, I was thinking that, like, when you're just casually, like, yeah, so I went to school, like... I have two young boys and I'm like, I don't have time for school. Like, and it's like you, the fact that you can go through all of that and pull yourself uh, like to be strong enough to be like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go back to my dad's. I'm going to like, this. just, it, it's like, I can't even put it into words yeah. how <laughs> amazing that is. And how even like talking to you, like she's got not, like the best no, personality. I'm serious. Like I'm not even just saying this because of what you've went through and whatever, like you just are genuinely such like an awesome, cool, kind, just like beautiful person. Yeah. And it's like, it, you're, I just feel so fortunate that you are like talking to us about this and like I, I just it, it's oh. I now get it when you said I say thing I um, do it with a sense of humor I, I when you said that at first I was like but how like you know what I yeah. mean but now <laughs> but now I get it because because of where you are and like the person that you've become it that's why it's going to change people's lives because yeah. of the way she like her she, like, how she is now like yeah like if it was any other kind of personality this would be a different conversation and yeah. it wouldn't have worked out the same so oh it's you're you're tripping us out i wish yeah. you could see our faces <laughs> i wish like you could see our faces person. i know i know um okay so what what now t- tell everyone like what you're doing now so so you met your hu- you're now husband right you're married oh yeah <laughs> i'm so excited about the dog yes so you have uh, the cutest dog so tell everyone now like what you're doing um yeah i have my little family with my husband and my dog and i just started my own eyelash extension business Oh, um, I've always wanted to do too. that. Okay, we're going to be coming yeah. to you. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, you know, during COVID, I kind of was like, oh, I can, you know, I like made a room in my house for it specifically, started that. Um, and it's getting going right now. So I'm kind of putting my heart and soul into that. Um, so that's taking up a lot of time. And, you know, I'm into running and working out. And that's kind of just you know, what my life is looking like right now. So if anybody wants to um, get... Uh, like ha- like go to your business and get beautiful eyelashes which we really need Kayla yeah. I really want to get them um, where, can they do you have like a, a specific place that they can go to book an appointment go to my Instagram which is marky.eta and we love your Instagram too because you always post like things in your story and like I, I love it as well because you can see your personality and your sense yeah, of humor you're so like captivating and honest yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah Um. okay sorry I also am just I want to know I, I found it really interesting because you're still saying that this is a super common thing that's happening today 
today, right? Mm-hmm. Like this still happens. It's, and I'm sure a lot of these people listening with kids and whatever and siblings, you're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe that that could happen to someone that I know, right? Like basically so, you're asking like advice for like tips. And I'm curious about yeah. like statistics and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, it is so common. I mean, it is like as far as statistics go, I can't really say, but there's about, uh, the majority of the trafficking that happens in Canada is in Ontario. Like I think it's oh like seventy three percent of trafficking happens in Ontario because of the the big highway system that they traffic people along. All oh, right. Um, yeah, but just alone, I worked in the human trafficking world uh, for about a year and a half, and there we had like over a hundred clients, and that was only one small tool in Hamilton. And f- for two years, got over a hundred victims, oh my and gosh. and most victims don't come forward. So when yeah. you're looking, okay, that was a hundred people, but there's other resources. There's far more resources, and then there's a way bigger percentage of people that don't come forward. It's thousands of people, and so oh. a lot of people when they hear when they hear about it, they're like, "I'm petrified. What do I do?" You know, and. And my biggest tip would just be to communicate with your kids because it is way harder to get them. Like once, once they're talking to a pimp, because a lot of the majority of pimps are the boyfriend pimp. So they don't think they're being trafficked. So it's very hard to get them away from their trafficker. Um, They're, they're attached, they're connected. They feel like they're in love. And so get them before that, tell them what human trafficking is. Give them a lesson on relationships, abusive relationships, what is wrong, right, creating boundaries. So when, as soon as someone tells you um, to do something or asks them something inappropriate, uh, tries to stretch their sexual boundaries, they can know, okay, this is wrong. And they w- they'll know how to deal with it instead of trying right. to reverse what has happened. Right, and so right, be right. open-minded. Talk to your kids about sex. Like, I don't mm. understand how people, parents are just going through life thinking, oh, like, they can learn from other people yeah. or wait till their marriage. No, like, yeah. you need to be right in there and talk to mm. them because then they can they can make, you know. Yeah. Their, their own judgment on if this, yeah. is, this is right or wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh my and goodness. it's, and it's always someone with low self-esteem. They're trying, uh, they're trying hard to fit in They're They're trying to be liked. They're trying to be a people pleaser. And so if you build confidence and a human that like genuinely loves themselves and knows who they are, there is a very small chance that they yeah. would end up being a victim of sex trafficking. Oh my goodness. This is the best conversation I've ever had. I like, think I'm, I'm like hands down in my life. Yeah. Hands yeah, down in I'm my really life. enjoying this. This is great. Uh, oh. <laughs> and you know what? It, I, I want to like, there's a whole other episode we could have just like, we should like be playing our games with her. And yeah. Play, like, <laughs> confession, like, like confessions and embarrassing things. And like, you're, yeah. you're so funny and you're so awesome. <laughs> Tell yeah. your husband we say hey and thank you for everything. <laughs> we will put all your information in our description at the bottom of our podcast. Um, I'm pretty sure our eyelashes are going to be looking pretty 
pretty good soon. Yeah. I am gonna make that appointment. Okay, okay so thank well, you thank so you much. Thank you're you, amazing. Yes. You're beautiful. <laughs> you're like I could just go on and on and on Stop about it. you. We'll never end it. We'll never end it. Okay, we will talk to you soon. Tell your husband we say hey and give your dog a little pet for us. <laughs> okay, sounds great. Okay. Thank you guys. Okay, bye. bye. I have to call my sister. When you rate, review, subscribe, it helps us out. Cause we love and what we do without a doubt. So we wanna thank you for taking the time, mo. So here we go, we bustin', we bustin' around, mo. This is our podcast, we're here to stay. My name is Kayla, this is Stacey K. Okay, that, uh. I have to come, a sister. Hey, hey, you there. Kayla, stop. You heard it here first. Okay, never mind. We're not doing the rap anymore. Did here first. Oh my god. That's what I'm talking about. Hey ho.